The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Hey, good morning, 9 o'clock. Nice to see some of you in person. Uh, those of you online, welcome as well. My name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to spend some time together this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, let's open them up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, that's where we're going to spend our time together. We'd really love for you to open your own Bible. You can open a phone or a tablet to 1 Samuel 3. We don't really put verses on screen here. Uh, so if you're with us at home, you can Google search 1 Samuel 3. There's a Bible tab on the online platform. 1 Samuel 3 is where we're going to spend. Uh, our time this morning. So that's where we're going. Uh, if you, uh, are, as you're turning there, I just wanted to, to say this. I, I confessed a couple of weeks ago that I'm a millennial. That's the generation or whatever I'm a part of, okay? And man, wouldn't you know it, out of the woodworks come the millennial bashers. I mean, all I did is just confess it. And man, you are, there's, there's some serious millennial hate out there, all right? I just want to say back off, all right? Uh, but I wanted to say, hey, at least I'm an early millennial. I don't know if that helps or doesn't help, but I just want you to know that like I, there's no real formula to figure out where you fit in this, but um, generally the range for the millennial generation uh, is those born in the early 80s all the way up to those born in the late 1990s, okay? So, so that about t- two decades there uh, is where we fit. And I'm, so, so I'm an 80s kid, okay? Uh, that's where I'm from. And the 80s were legit. Like we should just all admit it right now. The 80s were great. The Ghostbusters, Hammer pants, right? Sweet child of mine. I mean, need I say more? I mean, so, so back off on your millennial bashing just for a second, okay? Uh, one of the, the, the interesting things about being an early uh, millennial for me is that I can remember a time uh, before cell phones, Okay, I know the next generation of kids probably don't have that memory, but I remember uh, that, that before the cell phone, my only lifeline to the outside world of my friends up until like high school for me was our home phone, the landline. You remember these things, the landline? I know they don't hardly exist anymore, but I remember, okay, I remember the first phone in my house as a child, my first memory was actually a rotary phone. That was the first phone in my house. Now, I think this is just because my dad was cheap, Okay, because in the 80s, listen, the rotary phone was already vintage at that point, but we had one. I remember like that. Okay, like I remember that. Okay, you remember those? Uh, I remember when we got our first wall mounted phone with one of those cords that would stretch all the way through the house like Napoleon Dynamite. Like I, I remember that. Okay, and it had our phone had a shoulder rest built into the receiver, remember that? So that mama could hold the phone with her shoulder and do things with her hands. I mean, it was like the first, you know, spoken, talkless, you know, handset thing. That's what it was. It was like a Bluetooth, but it was a shoulder rest for mama, okay? That's what we had. Now here, I I remember the sounds. The sounds have all changed. I remember the sounds. Let's see if you can remember these sounds. The first sound we're gonna play is this. You remember that sound? That's a, that's a dial tone, yo. Like, it's crazy to think that my daughter may never know what that sound is. That's wild, okay? Uh, here, here's another sound. This one is great. You remember that? When you hear that, you'd freak out trying to find, that's off the hook. If your phone doesn't get pushed back down on the hook it, and you knock it over somewhere, then you're trying to scramble and find it because you're not getting a call. That's the off the hook sound. It'll make your ears bleed, right? Here's the other one. You remember this one? What's this one? 
That's right, it's a busy signal. Now this sound, the busy signal, is almost totally lost to antiquity. Like that sound is almost entirely gone because of an invention that showed up in the mid-90s called call waiting. Call waiting, okay? Which we still have to this day. It's that little beep that you hear interrupting a current call to tell you that somebody else is calling you. We even have this on our cell phones, okay? And that's what I'm actually gonna entitle the sermon today. Call waiting, Call waiting. I want you to know right off the bat that God is calling to you. He, he, he is calling to you. He wants to speak to you, but you've got to click over when you hear that little beep. You can ignore that call or you can click over and engage with him. Like we hear at Fathom, we believe in a God who speaks to us. He calls to us. We believe in a God who is living and active and still to this day speaks to his people. And God speaks to us in many different ways. All right, many different ways. I think for many of us, we secretly want to hear the audible voice of God. Like I think honestly, we just want to, we'd like to hear like a clear audible voice. I hear people say, well, if, if God would just speak clearly, if I could just hear him clearly, then I would certainly obey what he says. And I always want to respond like, you sure? You sure about that? Because the Bible might say differently. There's times where God audibly speaks to people in the Bible and it says a little something different. Adam, when he hears God's voice, uh, he hides from him. He hears God walking around in the garden and he hides. Moses hears God's voice from a burning bush. He hears the audible voice of God and he starts debating with him. He starts arguing with the voice, with a burning bush. You ever say, if there was just a burning bush, I would obey. Moses didn't. Why do you think you would? Jonah hears God's voice. He runs the other way. I mean, I could go on and on. All throughout the Bible, it shows us that even when the audible voice of God is heard, it's very difficult to heed that call. It's difficult, not not only to hear God's voice, but then to actually heed the call that he gives you. But I I just tell you this, even if you don't hear an audible voice, God still wants to speak to you. He still wants to call to you. He just does so in various ways, okay? Sometimes God speaks through nudgings, through these little just nudgings of our heart, right? Like sometimes I just, I feel God nudge me. I feel the spirit kind of nudge me in a certain direction. Sometimes God speaks through dreams and visions, like this freaks the Baptists in a, out of us, right? Like that, we're, we're freaked out, but, but he does. He speaks to us sometimes through dreams and through visions. You know, how about the, the Bible, right? The written, God has given us the written word. The written word is sufficient. It's, it's the best. It's the most trustworthy way that God speaks to us. God speaks to us when we pray. When we actually stop to pray and listen to God, he speaks to us. He also speaks to us through other people. People speaking to us can be the word of the Lord for us. God speaks to us through his church, through his people, the larger congregation. He speaks to us through preaching. Hey, you might hear God through me today. That might happen. We we believe that we serve a God who speaks to us, who who calls to us. And that's what we're going to see in our text today. Okay, this is all about God speaking. It's all about God calling and what we do when we hear that little beep and the call waiting going off. So let's go. First Samuel chapter three. We're gonna start in verse one. Look at your text and follow along with me. 
Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So uh, it, it, the setting, just to set up where we're at in the story, okay? The setting of 1 Samuel is that we are at the tail end of the period of the judges right before the king shows up on the scene. And we move into the kingdom of Israel with a king on the throne. Uh, and so this is the period of judges. Uh, it's, it's, there, there's these super shady people called the judges, and they kind of rule Israel, but they do so very questionably. And it's actually one of the darkest times in Israel's history. And one of the phrases on repeat in the book of Judges was this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the refrain of the book of Judges. That's the period that we are stepping into here. And I think because everyone's just doing what's right in their own eyes... I think that's where we get 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. That's, we get the word of the Lord is rare in these days. There's no frequent vision. Why? Because everybody's just doing what they think is best. And in the midst of this dark season, Samuel, this young boy working in the temple of the Lord, he, he's ministering to the Lord He's been growing in stature and in favor with the Lord. And what we're going to see, what we're about to see is that God is now going to show up and speak to him to call Samuel. So here we go. Verses two through seven. Let's read this. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli. And he said, here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now as we start this, I want you to notice something. Did you notice that Eli in this story and Samuel are doing the exact same thing? It said that Eli is lying down, and Samuel is lying down, insinuating that it's like the middle of the night, okay? Uh, they're doing the same thing, but did you notice they're doing the same thing in two different places? It said that Eli was lying down in his own place, which we are led to believe is maybe his own room or somewhere else outside of the temple of God. But it says that Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. They're doing the same thing in two different places. And then verse four shows up and it says, then the Lord called Samuel. Now, I think this is a huge deal. This is a big deal. Before we get to, then the Lord called Samuel, we have to see that he was already positioned, not in his own place like Eli, but he was already in the position in the temple near the ark. Before God called to him, he was already in a position to hear. 
Now, uh, Samuel couldn't be in the actual room with the ark. The ark was the place where God's spirit dwelled, where, where the presence of God actually dwelt among his people. And so he couldn't be in that actual room. That was forbidden. Uh, so he was likely in a adjoining room where the priests would sleep uh, in the temple, though. Uh, and we've seen this all through chapter 2. Samuel getting as close as he can to the Lord. Verse 11 uh, in chapter two, it said that Samuel was ministering to the Lord. Verse 21, it said that the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. And in verse 26 of last chapter, it said that the boy Samuel continued to grow in both stature and in favor with the Lord. Like he does all this stuff over the course of years. He's, he's, he's ministering in the presence. We think at this point, he's about 11 years old. At this point, we think Samuel is about 11 years old. He was dropped off at the temple when he was about three years old. So for the last eight years, this is all he's been doing. And and I'll make a point here, okay? Proximity increases receptivity. Proximity increases your receptivity. You know, Samuel is not cutting corners in his service of the Lord. He, he's not doing the bare minimum, right? He's not just kind of going through the motions, trying to hear from the Lord, but not really putting all into it. No, he's, he's trying to get as close as he possibly can to God. He's trying to get his proximity to the Lord right. And then the Lord calls Samuel. Question, what are you doing to get close to God? What are you doing to increase your proximity, which Lord willing increases your receptivity. So that's what he's doing. Look at verse eight. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy First of all, you wake me up three times. I'm not perceiving it's the Lord, all right? Just throwing that out there. But Eli is a patient man, apparently. Um, But we believe that God still speaks to us just like this. We believe that. But then people will say all the time, right? People will say this to me all the time. Well, God called me to do this. You ever say that? You ever hear somebody say, well, God called me to do this or to do that or to move this way or to go that way. You ever think, really? God called you? How are you sure? Like, how do you know? You hear somebody who's like, bro, I know the girl that I'm supposed to marry. I know it, okay? God spoke clearly to me about her. See, we're in the same small group together, okay? And as I was driving home last week from the group, it was all green lights and her eyes are green. Right, And that one red light that I stopped at, I stopped at and I was like, she's got red hair. And as I was thinking about her hair, I turned and I saw a billboard and there was a Pantene Pro-V commercial there and the model had red hair. And at the same time, Dreamweaver came on the radio and I was like, it's the Lord. And you're like, listen, bro, that does not sound like God. That's not really what God's calling. That sounds more like the preamble to a restraining order, Right? Back off, bro. And I know that's a bit of an exaggeration, but, but how do you know that God is speaking to you? How do you know it's God? How do you know that he's the one who's calling you? How do you discern this stuff? Well, I want to give us today, I think it's helpful, a little bit of a grid 
for how to discern God's call or God's will or God's speaking for you to you uh, in a circumstance or in a decision. Okay, so I'm going to give us four things. Again, I just say, take notes if you can, okay? Uh, I think the, the study has been proven right. For, uh, if, you, if you write these four things down in your notes, uh, you have a better chance of going to heaven, okay? It's science, okay? The results are in, just so you know, okay? But these are the four things to consider when discerning God's call. Number one, the word of God. What does the Bible say about this topic? This is where we must always start when we're trying to discern God's call or God's will or God's speaking. What does the word of God say? Does it command, permit, or prohibit this thing? Because if it commands it, you can bet on it. If it permits it, then maybe you've got a little gray area. If it forbids it, forget it. God will not tell you things that are against his written word. The scriptures are the place where the very words of God are written down and these words are living and breathing and active. Sometimes people will be like, God, Chris, I just don't feel God. I just don't hear God. I don't know what he wants from me. And I'll quickly respond, well, are you in his word? Are you in his word? Are you obedient to what he has already said to you? Why do you think you'd hear something fresh from the Lord when you fail to read his very words provided for you. I do think God can and will speak and call to you specifically, but he will never do so if you aren't first rooted in his general call to every believer as revealed in his written word. God has commanded every believer some things that we don't even have to debate about. It's not, am I called to do this or not? No, you are. Are you gathering with the church and worshiping him? Yeah, that's in the Bible. Are you using your gifts to serve the church? Are you sharing the gospel with those around you? Are you praying? Are you digging deeper into your own faith journey? Like those are commanded things. We announced at our members meeting a few weeks ago that, uh, that our vision for 2021 is this, uh, that we want to dig deep and we want to reach wide this year. That's, that's our vision for 2021. So, so we want you to dig deep. Let's get busy digging deeper together. Don't look for God's specific word for you if you haven't been faithful to his written word for you. That's the first one, the word of God. The second one is this, wise counsel. Second grid, after you get through the word of God, if it permits it uh, or commands it, let's move through that and say wise counsel. What do other wise Christians say about this to you? You have any wise counsel around you to kind of run this by? And, I'm, and, and listen, I'm not just talking about your crew. I'm not just talking about your friends, your, your, your peer group, your friend group, okay? Please don't just seek the input of your friends on this. I want to throw a concept out that is wildly unpopular today, and it's this, spiritual authority, spiritual authority. Have you submitted yourself to any wise spiritual authority? Listen to me. One one of the clearest ways that God will speak to you is through submitting to the wise counsel of spiritual authority. This is what Samuel does. Uh, Samuel runs to Eli when he hears the voice and doesn't know what to do. 
He, he runs to the man he has submitted himself under to help him interpret what's going on. So when I was planting Fathom, when we planted this church six years ago, uh, there were a select few men who I, I placed myself under. I placed myself under their authority. I sought wise counsel from these men and essentially asked them if it, to tell, tell it to me as it is. Tell me if I shouldn't plant this church. Was I hearing correctly from, from the Lord that I should go and plant or not? I submitted under their wise counsel. And if they had told me, no, don't do it, we wouldn't be sitting here today because I submitted under their counsel. This is why, church, it is so important that you're in a, a D group or a Bible study. This is why uh, we, we push church membership and being a part of this community deeper than that, being a member of a church submitted under godly leadership, because we all need mature men and women of God around us to check these perceived words from the Lord. It's not a free pass to do whatever you want. I heard from God, so I can do whatever I want. Check it with some people who are, listen, wiser than you are. Because you can convince yourself of pretty much ever, anything. But people who love you and who are wiser than you will not let that happen. You need wise people to encourage you and to build you up, but who will also correct and confront and even at times rebuke you. Your crew will tell you what you want to hear. Wise counsel will tell you what you need to hear. There's a big difference there. So wise counsel is number two. Number three, you got to wait on God. You see the W's here? See, I'm a Baptist too, okay? You got to wait on God. Have you spent an adequate amount of time praying to the Lord about this? Have you laid this thing before the Lord and waited on the Lord for an adequate amount of time? This one is hard for us in kind of a, a culture like ours where it's instant gratification all the time. Ain't nobody's got time to wait. But you better wait on trying to discern God's speaking, God's calling in your life. I remember the first time I met Marcy, okay? Um, we were in college, I was a sophomore. Uh, she transferred in. Uh, and I remember seeing her for the first time. Like, I, I mean, I distinctly remember seeing her for the first time. I was just like, whoa, yeah, all right, like, I want me some of that, okay? I, I had this instantaneous, like, Lord, I want to date that girl. Like, I'll take her, okay? If I have a choice, I'll take her. Uh, uh, problem was, Marcy just wasn't as in tune to the voice of the Lord at that point, <laughs> all right? She just didn't hear it as quickly as I did. Uh, so we were friends for a long time. I mean, for we, we, we were just kind of friends, but man, I knew I wanted more. Uh, so, so as we kind of developed a friendship, I started asking her. I would ask her to date me. I'd ask her out. I'd ask her to be my boyfriend. And she just straight up shot me down. Literally, I, which is what I'm training Harper to do. You know, grow up like mama, shoot daddy down. That's the, the goal, okay? But, but, but I remember the first time I asked her, I was like, hey, you want to be my girlfriend? She was like, no, let's not ruin this. Thanks, you know? Second time I asked her, I, I, pers persistent, okay? I asked her a second time. She shot me down again. I asked her a third time to be my girlfriend. And again, strike three, she said no. Three times she said no. How many of you know that when you're waiting for something to happen that you are desirous of, 
man, you start to get nervous. You start to get uncertain. You start to doubt yourself. And this is where I'm at. I've asked this girl who I am interested in, more than interested. I've made it clear that I'm in to her. And, and, and I'm asking and she's saying no. And I'm starting to get to this place where I'm a wreck and I'm, and I'm nervous and I'm uncertain. I'm doubting myself. And yet I, I really, really want her. Well, you know the story. She eventually submitted to the Holy Spirit, you know? And I've been blessing her life ever since, okay? But uh, have you waited on the Lord? I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. Happy Valentine's Day, sweetie. Have you waited on the Lord? Because listen to me, in waiting, yes, there are some challenges in waiting, but in waiting, this is where you begin to see with clarity. This is where you begin to see clearly what it is you actually want. See, I, I, I knew at that point that I clearly wanted to be with Marcy because I had to wait on her. I had to pursue her. It made it all the more glorious when she said yes to finally dating me. Have you prayed and waited? Because hear me, if God is calling you to do something, he's not gonna stop with just a one-time ask. Okay, he's gonna keep calling you. He called out to Samuel three times. And then the fourth time he finally hears clearly and says, speak for your servant hears. Have you prayed about it really and waited on the Lord? Number four, finally, your witness. Your witness. Will this call help me to be a better witness to the unbelieving world? Will I have more opportunities to share about Jesus and the gospel because of this decision? Again, our vision for 2020, again, I'll bring it up, okay, is to dig deep and to reach wide. That's that reach wide part. And I'm just telling you, God will not call you to do something that he wouldn't, that would not push you, push further his mission in this world. How will this decision affect your witness? The question is this, is this call primarily about your glory or God's glory? I think, I think 95% of the whole God is calling me stuff can be weeded out right here. Is this more about you and what you want, or is it about God and what he wants? Because that will really help you discern if it's God calling you. So I hope those four things are some helpful grids. I, I, I think those are helpful to help you discern uh, this whole, I think God's calling me to do this thing. I think that helps, okay? Let's move on in our text to verse 9. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood calling at other, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I didn't even know God used the word tingle. I'm changing the sermon title to tingle time, okay? Not really, but that'd be a great sermon title, okay? Verse 12, on that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. 
And I will declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Okay. This is not the call that you want your first time hearing from the Lord. This is a difficult call right off the bat, okay? When, when, when most people say they want to hear God speak, they're not thinking about this kind of message, this kind of like hard, difficult message that God gave to Samuel. The question is, are you ready, whatever God might bring to you, are you ready to hear it? Are you ready to hear whatever message he might say, or are you only ready to accept good stuff from him? Because I'll tell you this much, he will call and call you to do things that will excite you, but he will also call you to do things that will challenge you, that are difficult, that might sound hard. I mean, this is a message of judgment and punishment for Eli, who, by the way, is Samuel's mentor, like a father figure in his life. Look what Samuel does with this message, verse 15. So Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that, that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all he told you. So Samuel told Eli everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. In hearing this message, this difficult message from the Lord, Samuel is now courageous and bold and he speaks God's very word. He speaks everything and he hides nothing from Eli. And I just say this, O oh church, please beware of the preacher or of the church that doesn't speak everything and hold nothing from you. Okay, this is one of the primary reasons we preach through books of the Bible here at Fathom because we want you to be informed of the entire, the whole counsel of God. And if I'm picking and choosing, you're missing stuff in here. I wanna speak every word of God that he has for us and hide nothing, no matter how difficult it is to understand or difficult it is to hear. So he speaks God's full message to Eli. And now let's, let's see how this chapter ends. Verse 19. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from, Israel from Dan to Beersheba, which is like saying from sea to shining sea, okay? All of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. So here's how I want to end. Samuel is established as the prophet of God, as a prophet. And it says that all of Israel now knows this and confirms this. But notice, this is only after he obeys God's call on his life. 
I, I think that that pattern is, is something to take note of. You saw that, right? His proximity to God led to his receptivity to God's word. And then his obedience to what God told him is now confirmed in his calling, which is affirmed by all of Israel. That pattern is really, really important. Listen, some of you today don't need a new word from the Lord. You don't need a new word from God today because he's already spoken to you. You don't need a new word. You need to go back to the word and you actually need to listen to it and you need to obey it completely before he will ever start speaking over your life again. So, so let me ask you this. What is God speaking to you about? What's going on in your, in your life? And, and you hear that little call waiting beep in the back of the conversation that you're having, this beep from the Lord. Like, what is that thing? Where is it that you need to say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears? Listen, some of you, maybe you've just never heard God's voice. You've never heard his voice, but today, maybe for the first time, maybe online, maybe in this room, for the first time, you feel like you might be hearing him. Like it doesn't even have to be your first time in church. All right, Samuel had been serving the Lord for years, for almost eight years at this point, but now he hears this call from God. If there's ever like a conversion moment, I don't know if this counts, but like if there's ever a conversion moment for Samuel, I think this might be it. Listen, maybe you've been in church for a minute, but today's the, the first time you're kind of feeling or, or hearing that call, this, this desire to, to follow Christ, to do what he is telling you. That's that call waiting beep. That's that first call. And I would just implore you to answer that. Answer the call. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Speak for your servant hears. I want you. I need you. If you hear God's voice and you discern God's word and then you obey God's word, your calling will be confirmed like Samuel's. That's the order. I don't see it going any other Direction. And I just want to commend us that as we dig deep, as we reach wide, as a church, as individuals, and as a community here together this year at Fathom, verse 11 is for us as well. Verse 11 is for us. Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. It's tingle time, yo. Let's pray together. Lord, we bless you today. We bless you for so many reasons, but Lord, we specifically want to bless you because you are a God who speaks to us. Lord, you have spoken to us through your word and we can trust this and we can lean our lives up against this. But Lord, you also then speak to us in, in, above this as well. In addition to this maybe is the better way to put it. And so first and foremost, Father, we pray that we would be in submission to your written word, that we would never move past this, beyond this, but we would continually dig into the scriptures, digging deeper into a relationship with you to understand you and to better follow you. But then, Lord, may we have ears to hear the ways that you are still moving in our hearts and in our minds and our lives. 
We do pray, Father, that you would speak and that we would have receptive ears and hearts to both the good messages and to the hard things that you would call us to. Maybe that's to reach out to an unbelieving neighbor or family member. Maybe that's to make a a change or a shift out of a comfort zone into something that would put us more on the edge of your mission. God, whatever it might be, we do pray that you would speak and we pray that our hearts would be ready and willing and receptive to hear. And Lord, if there are some who for the first time today are hearing this call, are hearing that call waiting beep, Lord, I do pray that they would say, speak for your servant hears they would say, Jesus, I give you my life. And that even right now, they would enter into the kingdom of heaven, joining in this mission with us. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word written and your word spoken and your word perceived and your word that continues. Lord, deepen us this year. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus and by the power of the spirit. 